Hello, everybody, and welcome to Minute 108 of Season 5 of Move Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee-ki our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action flick, Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Dave Palace of Five Minutes of Mystery. Welcome back to the show, Dave. Thank you. You know, you never can have too many friends. Hey, I got enough friends. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of liked you. (laughs) (laughs) So, minute 108 begins with John and Grant going punch for punch and ends with Stuart putting his gun down and getting ready for action. So, basically, yesterday we we ended things with uh, John uh, jumping on Grant and they they begin their fight. Now, most of this minute is just uh, punch for punch between these two guys, you know, um, starts off by John, uh, you know, uh, trying to get to Grant who, who kicks him away and then Grant gets a face kick and, and then John falls down and then Stuart just looks on, he's like smiling. He's very, very happy, you know, and then John is on the ground and he doesn't really cool. He, he actually is able to sweep the leg to, to get, uh, Grant to fall down. Now, now, I'm assuming that you're an 80s kind of guy like me. You know, when you hear sweet delay, what All do you right. think? Well, I think a, yeah, I think a karate kid, no doubt. Karate kid, exactly. You know, so so John must have seen the karate kid, you know. Is you think John is more like uh, Johnny or 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 Oh, or, he probably felt like Johnny. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, it, it, I don't know. John, I don't know. Cuz John McClane, like John, John McClane, he's 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 a street fighter. You know, Johnny yeah. is not a street fighter. Is is he like? Is he like? I mean, like, is he like Crease? Would you say he's like Crease then? Like, Crease, I feel is very, you know, forms out the window if he can like finish you or something. I feel like, whereas like you know, Miyagi teaches a lot of patience and defense. I feel like McLean is like, you know. But Clayton is very much go. He will run at the terrorists first. Like he won't wait. Like give you give McLean an inch, he's gonna like take it and close the distance on that terrorist and take him out. I don't think he's going to play defensively. Um, like I mean, he never even he he calls. Uh, you know, he says he does the badge bit at the beginning of this movie, but the, after that, he's not calling. He's like not even calling the shots. He's just. Shooting first. I don't know. I think I think so, maybe he's more like Terry. Okay. Yeah. No, Terry. Yeah. That's. I, yeah. I, that, that, I mean, without the ponytail, without the ponytail, oh, he's Terry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. No, he's definitely Terry. Terry. He's like Terry and like Mike Barnes stuff, where it's like, yeah, if you can put his thumb in your eye, you know, he bites. You know, he bites. Uh, bites thumbs. You know. That's right. he, yeah. Mm-hmm. He'll, he's. A, you're right. He's a very dirty fighter. You're right. Yeah. God, man, you're right. He would, man, he would get his ass handed to him by, like, by Terry, but then, like, he would do something and, like, crash the entire corporation of Terry's, like, sewage system, whatever he was doing, chemicals. And he would, like, I don't know, maybe he'd, like, throw him into a vet ass. And, you know, he would, like, and then like, have him turn into the Joker. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the only logical answer with Terry Silver. Yeah, I don't think you can. I don't think you ever really can kill Terry Silver. That's a problem. That's a problem, yeah, really. That's a problem that, that Robin's been facing for years. Robin, Robin Burke, you just can't kill Terry Silver. 
Sure. Record all the minutes for one, buddy, but you can't kill Terry Silver. It's a discussion. That's a good point. Very good point. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, John sweeps, sweeps Grant's legs, and then John punches him in the face. And then we get a long shot of them fighting on the moving plane, which is such a cool shot. You know, again, we know it's not really Grant, and we know it's not really, uh, you know, McLean, but but still, it's a, it's a cool shot to see from the distance, especially, you know, what we were talking about earlier in the week about the fact that that these, you know, these these are practical shots. These are not CGI shots. So, you know, yeah. giving us giving us that is is great. Yeah, and the fact with all these camera shots, close ups, and like coverage left and right or, or i should say like either end of the wing and underneath the wing clearly had a vehicle that was driving next to the plane to do those up those upward shots those low looking up shots yeah. i mean they 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 must have had they must have ran this plane down the taxi taxi runway like eight or nine times to get all those angles Very because like possible. notice around in it i think it's uh i would say right around second it's between seconds seven and eight when he does the split kick. You can see the camera go back and forth really quickly for like a frame, because they're essentially they show you like Grant flipping head over heels from from McLean's sweep, like yeah. uh, in two different angles, real quickly, and then boom, he hits the plane's floor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, it's just really cool the way that they did this. There's no question about that. I I, I like it. <laughs> I like oh, yeah. the way they do it. And and then we get a, a, a shot of John just pounding away at 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 uh, Grant's face with his fists. You know, there's a lot of blood and stuff like that. And then for some reason they cut away to Esperanza in the cockpit. You know, just looking busy, not really doing anything very much. And then you know John and Grant continue to 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 begin fighting. They have all these like wrestling moves on each other. You know, as as they uh, they they both like I, I don't know why they do this in movies a lot. You'll you'll have someone take their fist and like push against someone's chin, but you'll have like both both people doing it. You know, they're, they're like pushing yeah. the other person's chin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, you know, it's it's one thing if if the characters are are carrying knives or something like that. You know, like when when we had the the shot with uh, John and uh, and and. And uh, I think it was Khan, you know, a few weeks ago, where where you know where he was holding off the knife. So fine, but um, I don't know. Yeah. But here, yeah, basically, there's a, brutal, there's a brutal kills in this movie between the icicle kill, yeah, um, the baggage plane kill, um, the the paint paint rack kill. I'm trying to think of other kills that are like really outside the normal. I mean, other than, and then this is the creme de la creme. I think this is like. This might be the the coolest kill in the franchise. Yes, that's probably true, and we we, we will get into information about that too. And, and then the okay. two of them start rolling around on this wing, you know, rolling in in different directions. Now Stewart is just looking on, you know, not really, you know, not really caring much about what's going on, you know, just just you know enjoying the spectacle. You know, we see them rolling around, and while they're doing this, so you know, it's it's an action movie, so you have to have yeah talking so then grant says too yeah. bad mclean i kind of liked you and mclean <laughs> goes goddamn traitor <laughs> that's what he said yeah I, I didn't hear that i heard the traitor i heard that that traitor really quickly at the end so it's got yeah got him traitor. i mean yeah like i mean mclean in the movies i don't think has ever been referenced to be a soldier i know the comics were trying to do that in in year one 
but it's never been he's always been a cop but they they i think they kind of dropped the the joe leland book inspiration um yeah and i don't think he's ever been a a soldier so like he doesn't have like historical experience with with being a soldier but yeah to be that like you know these guys that he probably saw in the news and maybe for a time you know he probably saw as like oh they're fighting the right fight because they're fighting commies you know from what bruce knows as a near cop he's like yeah i don't want any of those commie hippies probably um he probably (laughs) saw them as like they're the good guys and then you know this whole night to feel like you know the 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 fact like yeah the 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 authority of our military is compromised he's probably pissed about that and like so i want to that's kind of what i want to talk about um thinking about grant and his men so we know that one there's still technically at the end of this movie there's technically one survivor and that's Grant's man that had an appendicitis. If you think about it, if you ever Correct. wanted to do an mm-hmm. epilogue after yeah. the credits, the after credits scene would be that guy waking up in a hospital room after the surgeons fix his appendix, and there'd be the, those two, uh, those two soldiers, those two soldiers, those two suits from the State from Department the, there, from the Justice Department. <laughs> yeah, Justice Department, and like they're gonna be like, yeah, you're up on charges of like treason and conspiracy, and he'd be like, oh. What? You know, waking up out of, out, of, out of his, uh, you know, out of his uh, pain mask, and he realizes he's like handcuffed to the table. <laughs> it's interesting, so, yeah. Like, but the question is, is whether yeah. anybody would have, would anybody really know about this? You know, is is, is afterwards John's going to say, you know what, Telford wasn't is is the new guy. You know, he's. I I, I wonder if anyone well, really will will figure that out that there was a guy missing. I mean Barnes Barnes and McLean did overhear that soldier who then gets his neck cut open. Telford, they Telford. did him say. Telford. Right. All right, so he does yeah. hear him say like I'm just the new guy. Mr. Mr. Rebecca so De Mornay. Thank you. He's he's um, married. He's married. He no, the guy the the actor is married to Rebecca De Mornay. Oh. Yeah. Yes, I wasn't calling you Mr. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm not familiar with that name, but all right. Um, you know who Rebecca De Mornay is, when, don't you? No, no, I was thinking, no, wait. I was thinking of uh, Stamos's ex-wife. That's what I was thinking. No, of that was Rebecca, Rebecca so, Romaine Re- Re- Stamos. Who's, who, do you know who she's married to now? Uh, oh, wait, no, 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 I know this one. Vern. Uh, Sliders, Vern. right? That's Vern Sliders. Um, my Secret Identity. Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell, that's right. Jerry O'Connell. Her, I mean, yeah, you know him as I know him as Sliders because I'm just right. like I grew up in the '90s. Sliders was always on Sci-Fi yeah, Network. I love Sliders. I, I it's, it's a show I got. So I want to rewatch. Yeah, like I never watched Quantum Leap, but I sure as heck watched Sliders as a kid. Being like, I don't get what's going on, but damn, if I'm having fun. Yeah. I remember, I remember watching uh, watching Stargate, being like, is this also Sliders? Like I was just like such a kid. I didn't know like no different. They got portals different just absolutely different movie and then there's gonna be a whole different show about that with richard dean anderson right <laughs> well, I, well i watch a lot of macgyver i watch a lot of macgyver a lot of sliders that's that was my like you know when i wasn't watching specifically cartoons i was watching those they were always on tv hmm. interesting um so, so all right so, so 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 back to my point though when the radio man says that i'm the new guy who plays the appendicitis I think in my mind, McLean gets back with Lorenzo and Holly, and they go back to the to the to the security room for debrief. I think he's going to say that to Carmine and the and the and the yeah the, the joint the joint chiefs security department guys, whatever the suits. Um, 
he's probably going to tell them that. And then they're, because they're probably, now they're going to have to backtrace it. Because if you think about it, what's kind of funny is that they're, that the substitute is the radio man of all things. So it's like Grant had to make sure they intercepted that call. That blow light would definitely get that call and no one else. So it's like he needed that radio man replacement guy to do this, but he couldn't tell him why. Like, if anything happens, uh, make sure we get the call. What do you mean? Just make sure we get the call, okay? <laughs> like, he's got to, like, make sure this guy gets the call before FBI or any other form of counterterrorism unit gets there. Um, he, like, we got to be blue lights got to be first on the line. So that's what's funny to me. Second, that's why in Act 2, he keeps calling guys to different parts of the room because I don't think he wants a lot of information broadcasted to the radio man. That's right. So when he does meetings with guys who are not true, when he doesn't have the Trudeau meetings, when he's just like, you men, come with me. He's like, okay, look, we can't talk in front of the radio, man. That's probably, you know what it is? That's when they do the secret um, walkie-talkie stuff. Beep, boop, boop, beep. And he's like, yeah, Hatchling, okay, look, just letting you know, we got a replacement radio, man. We're working around it. Just let us know. And it's like, and like probably Stewart's like, is McLean there? He's like, yeah, McLean's in the room. Him and like the and the and the engineer are talking about plans. I think they're going to find the church soon, and that's why he's like, "Well, you better get ahead of them." So that's in my mind. Like I feel like that's what's happening off screen when when um, when uh, Barnes and McLean are like in the other part of the security room. It's like Grant and his men have to kind of go away and talk to Colonel Stewart privately because they can't do it in front of the radio man. So they have to make it like. You know, they can't do a secret radio call because they're going to be like, hey, what are those radios? Right, but, then, but I think there, there's shot. more to it because, you know, Telford is, you know, he he's a trained soldier. Even though he's the radio man, he's still a trained soldier like everyone else. Shouldn't yeah. he get suspicious about the fact that they keep switching uh, the magazines? And why do they have the blue magazines? Why do they have the red magazines? Well, true. But I think he, I think, I mean, but I think is you're right. He is a soldier. He is he does understand it. But the fact that he goes, oh wait, look, I'm the replacement. Major Grant and his men, they clearly know. It'd be kind of like you walked in the real the room and everybody does a thing. You know, they say, you know, whatever it may be, like the secret code hand. You're like, look, I don't know what the secret code thing is, but I'm just I just walked in here. I'm just happy to be here. It's like the same thing. Um so that's how I see it as it. Telford's like, look, and he's got headphones on. So probably Major Grant says, I want you to keep those headphones on and listen for all, you know, radio transmissions. There could be something from Colonel Stewart. So he's like, all right, Chief, you know, all right, Major. And he's got his headphones on. So he's like essentially doing earmuffs and he's not hearing when Grant's, you know, doing that. Like, we have a situation, you know, and he doesn't. And then all the guys do this. So he's probably just not paying attention to it. And then obviously when, when Grant's there in front of Lorenzo, he's like, I want body armor for the assault team and scopes for the snipers and night vision. You know, he's he's doing a big show. So the radio guy says, yeah, absolutely oblivious. He's he knows the new guy. It's new Christmas, New Year's Eve. They got a terrorist attack. So he's probably like, oh, I well, I'm not going to be on the offensive team. I'm just going to be monitoring the radio for Colonel Stewart right. and, and stuff hmm. like that. So that's why it's like, but the fact that he's probably like, I've never did any of the meetings when they want to talk about the radio. Like, that's why he's probably like, it's so weird. They always go off into different rooms. Like the major never wants to like talk about radio stuff in front of me. That's <laughs> why I think it's fun. About. Yeah. So I said, yeah, uh, is it back? So I think that's all I can really think of when it comes to Grant's men. 
was that like they had to we don't know that for a long time but they had to essentially work around that radio guy because they couldn't have that guy he's literally next to the radio he could broadcast something suspicious is happening to like any other number of counterterrorism teams that would probably be like wait something's wrong you know Maybe like they, maybe Major Grant was supposed to be on duty that night or something. You know, they, something else would have come up. Or the fact that like Major Grant might have said, "Yeah, we let everyone know," and they didn't. Right. You know, because imagine awesome. the other way around is that if he, if Major Grant had his radio man, he could probably told that guy if he had his own man, Rat Telford, he probably got told him, "I want you to start jamming some transmissions too, making sh- make sure that like right. no other calls get out of here." Because he would want to make sure that he controls the situation and that Lorenzo and his cops don't start trying to, like, recall the feds or anything. Right. In hmm. case something goes off. Right. So that's my I, – I thought about that, like, watching it most recently was, that like, you know, funny enough, the radio man's probably an integral part to the plan. Because Major, if it was an assault guy, Major Grant would just be like, follow that team and do what they do. And shoot um, blanks. Except the bullets. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Except the blanks. You're right. They probably – that would that would be the biggest problem though is when it comes to the church they would have to be like yeah um the one guy does actually have real ammo we can't give him the blue mags that's right <laughs> or they give him the so blue mags he, and they say have, they just put these in you know they're gonna kill him anyway yeah, it doesn't just, matter. Yeah, yeah you know what they'd probably have to do they'd probably have friendly to, fire um, stack no 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 they would uh stack the mags so for his mags specifically so the top four bullets are real mm. and then it just empties after so all you have to do if you're on the other receiving end of it is dodge the first burst. That's true. You dodge the first oh, burst, wow. and then he doesn't know that. And all he's doing is reaching you know, into the magazine pouches and grabbing what looks to be a whole magazine. It's only four bullets on the rest are blind. But, um, but yeah, but, but yeah, the fact that it's a radio man, it's the fact that, like, he has to control communications, but he can't tell him exactly what he wants him to do. He has to kind of like tell him in a certain way so he thinks it's part of his orders. Right. And then the fact that he's the new guy, he won't question it. Hmm. Okay. That. So th- these are things I th- yeah. I never thought about the the radio man in in, in the hospital. So you you yeah. you really that's, that's great. because I because I thought I said when I was thinking I was had like a shower thought being like in this movie I said John McClane kills. 100 percent of the terrorists no that is not true like he, that is not true really he doesn't nope all right uh one one killed? one of the terrorists is killed by the the swat uh by one of the swat guys oh oh okay i forgot that i thought the painters got all uh, jumped out of the way okay so all right so he got well then again doesn't matter he wouldn't and, have 100%, and you know who do you know which that. terrorist was the one that was killed by the swat guy mark boone jr no i don't know do you know who, do you, do you know who Mark Boone Jr. is? You, you, if you've seen Memento. Oh, I know yeah, yeah, wow. Okay, yeah. I was like, why is that even Yeah, 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 yeah. He's and the big he guy looks, in like Batman. And, and, he, looks, and, he, and he, he looks really, really different in this movie. You know, he's oh, he's God, clean I mean, shaven he and, and short hair. Whoa! <laughs> there it is, a picture. Wow. Yes, very different, very different. You know what's so funny is, yeah, it's, yeah wow. Yeah. So he's not killed by John. And then the uh, the replacement the replacement radio the original radio man is not killed by John. Right. So yeah, those are two people because McLean killed everybody except Theo and the French kid in the first movie. Right. Yeah, cops didn't get any kills. He killed everybody except Argyle Punch or uh, Argyle punches Theo and 
I forget the French kid's name. Christoph, maybe. Christoph. Yeah. I think it's Christoph. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He he cold cocks him with the with the rifle butt right before he he counters Holly and Hans. That's right. So, and yeah. most people actually um, don't don't even remember him because again the the same thing here in, in this movie is you have twelve guys as the bad guys here, but in the original one it's twelve yeah. plus Hans. There's thirteen. Even okay. even though on yes. all of okay. the posters it says a dozen terrorists. You know, take over a, a high-rise yeah, building. You're right. Uh, that is so funny. Yeah. I mean, he really was like right now in the film. He's only really his scenes only is is the FBI scene is the one FBI scene that the extended cut. That's really it. When him and Theo are arguing and he's arguing in French. No, he's Hans he's shown a title. few. That's a, he, he we see him a few other times. Yeah, he's Theo. He's Theo's. I mean, he, he's Theo's assistant basically. Yeah, he's Theo's assistant. But I'm saying the only time he really like has a scene where he's center frame and it means something is that the extended cut that's in black and white on the, on the DVD. Right. That's really the only time I could ever think that he ever has like an actual line. Right. Like you would, you really would forget him. Like you would have thought like, for, cause like, I think, I think you might've seen him when they're, when he's going, when John's going up the stairs and I think he's yelling at them and they're moving some equipment around. Yes, I think he was, he's on he's one pushing, of those. He was pushing, pushing one of the, uh, uh, when when John opens the door and looks out the win looks out the crack of the door at, at when he's I think on yeah. uh, on on uh, level thirty one and then he sees Christoph walk by you know uh, pushing something you know I, I think it's supposed to be the case that holds the thermal lance I think that's what's supposed to be because okay. there's a couple cases right. one case is the thermal lance and then the other cases are the rockets that's right that's right. Because that thermal lance is like five feet tall, like and, and it's on like a scissor lift. So clearly they had to find a way to build that and put it in that trunk to keep it as small as possible. Because you got to fit an ambulance, thirteen guys, and the equipment in the back of that Pacific Courier. Exactly, especially since, <laughs> especially since we get a shot of it at the beginning of the movie, and there is no ambulance there. But that's just because the, no ambulance. Yeah, you're just like look, just pretend. Well, that's because no, that's because they didn't think. They hadn't thought of that idea yet at that point when they when they were filming it. Yeah. You know, they only thought of it later. The only thing I could say is like you could pretend they had a, a a beige tarp on top of it that that blocks it. The only thing you could pretend is like, uh, there's a beige tarp that you you missed it maybe. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. I'm sorry. We're 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 off. We're on we're on Die Hard sequel. They had movies. they had a uh, Harry Potter cloak of invisibility. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> big cloak on the, on the ambulance. That's right. So, okay, so the, the two of them are fighting, and and then uh, Grant, ro the, the two of them are rolling around on the wing, and Grant rolls down towards, like, the engine uh, area, but is able to grab a hold of something. Turbine, yeah. And then uh, John gets closer to him and goes, I got enough friends, and then kicks him in the face. And we see him roll down further. God, I, I remember... God, I do. Oh man, I I love that clip. I think I had that as I think I made that as a gift somewhere. I remember like, I think I might have sent that to some girl that kind of like, I don't know if she say broke my heart because I don't think we were dating long enough. I think said she did something or she was going to date another guy I knew or something. I just remember she's like, well, I like to be friends. I think I I swear to God, I think I either made that clip or just I might just set the line. I don't think I made the clip. I was be I was a real salty bastard, and I think I like I got. And then you kicked her towards the like the, the engine of a, of a 747. <laughs> I kicked her, 
And then I kicked exactly right. I kicked her in a turbine. Yep. There you go. Okay. <laughs> so, and then Grant, Grant slides down, and, and it, this is a great shot. I mean, you mentioned earlier, this is one of the best deaths in the in the entire franchise. I mean, he, you see the, the stuntman, basically, uh, with his legs flailing over the, you know, over the turbine. And it, it looks so real and scary the way that they do it. You really think that there's someone there that's about to, to get sucked into the, you know, in, into the engine itself. Yeah. And then, you know, they, yeah. they, I, they he, spare he, us. He kicked, cause he kicked. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that in, in live for your die hard, he kicks a guy into a turbine. But it's like not nearly as visceral. Like I'm not even saying we don't even see Grant get chewed up. No. But like we see blood and some like chunks. That's right. Get absolutely thrown past it. And I felt I remember Live for Die Hard. I don't think we even see that. I think we barely see a spray of blood. Right. I think he's just like you just hear McLean go whoa like he does that. That's right. And, and that's it. And in this like, one, I, I remember. Right. And in this one, McLean does scream whoa the same way. And then like you said, we get the, the blood and chunks on the side of the. On, on the side of the engine. Now, do you think that this is something that really happens? Do you think people get killed by uh, getting sucked into airplanes, airplane engines? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I believe this 100% true. And that's why you just can't be near a plane when it goes off because you'll get sucked and you'll die. It has to be. It has to okay. Be. How, I, how often I do you think want, this don't happens? Send, don't send me. I'll say three times a year. And it's covered up by the FAA. Okay, well, first of all, you were very close. Uh, I, I found an article from, from June 26, 2023. You know, so as of recording, this was about a month and a half ago. Okay, that, that so far in 2023, there were two airport workers at American uh, airports that were tragically uh, lost their lives by being sucked into the jet engines. Okay, the first, one, the first one happened on January 1st in Mon Montgomery Regional Airport in Alabama where a baggage handler God. was ingested into uh, an engine that was uh, going by. And then the second one happened the day before this article in San Antonio International Airport, where a ramp worker uh, got sucked into oh, a, a Delta Airlines so flight. So the, 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 this whole article, I'm not going to go through the whole article, but the article mentions the fact that this usually happens about twice a year. God, that's so <laughs> sad. It really is. Like, Really they're is. like, I mean, like they probably got to wear headphones, and so they probably like, you know, are doing something, and they don't realize that the engine near them, the pilot's not even, you know, someone's not paying attention that there's workers around, and uh, you know, does some kind of engine warm up thing when they're still like in like taxi mode, and then boom, like someone gets, it's so, it's so scared, God. Yep. Seriously. Yeah, just you know, keep your distance. I think that's what it, uh, you know, what, what, what kills me is that, yeah, it's like the whole thing is like, you know, it's like, it takes like a whole team of people to prep an air, an airline, you know, from fueling it up to just cleaning it, to making sure. But like, these are usually people who, who know that they should be keeping their distance from the turbine. Well, I'm, so I'm saying is that like, I'm, I'm, I'm scared that like these people might die because of that. They are doing their job and like somebody wasn't paying attention that like led to several other people not double checking the work and then a, a turbine is turned on. That's right. what I'm saying. Yeah. I see it like that. It's like, you know, we have a, a whole team of people and something didn't get checked and it just it spiraled slowly and slowly to the point where, yeah, a turbine was turned on when it shouldn't have been. And someone boom got, you know, yeah. 
I mean, that's probably one of the reasons why they got those little, like, the carts that pull you out there. Because it's like, yeah, you can't turn an engine on while you're in that, that docking bay. Because I'm sure there's a lot of people walking around. Right. So it's like you get the, the look, the car that slowly pulls them out, brings them into the, the taxi lane. They clear the airport. I remember I was stuck on LAX. Um, when I went up to Portland to, uh, to see Merrin and, and the podcasters up in Portland, and I was on a bus on LAX, and they said, yeah, we have to drive to a different terminal to get off. Because and someone just got sucked into the car, into, into the engine. No, 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 I don't mean that. <laughs> I don't mean that. They just told us, be like, we're waiting here because there are some planes that are on the taxi lane, and then traffic control is going to then tell us we're left. So essentially, the taxi lane was used for both planes and buses. And it was straight up like the tower was telling the planes, okay, planes, you can go and taxi off. And we'd watch a plane go by us. And then then they would get clearance by the tower that we're now allowed to drive on that road to the other terminal. It was crazy. Whoa. But it's LAX, so I assume they're just like, we got to move all these freaking people. They're in L- and I remember like it, it just sucked because like I had – was going to have like an hour and barely an hour on layover. I was going to, I flew from Philly straight to, uh, straight to LAX and I was in a nice terminal and I was like, Oh, this is some nice food here. And I said, you know what? Let me get to my terminal first and then I can take a rest. And that was like the worst decision because if I realized what would have happened, I get on that bus, we wait, we wait, we wait. We finally get to the terminal. The terminal is not a nice terminal. It's like an auxiliary high school gym. That's like that has chairs in it and no air conditioning. <laughs> and there was like barely there was like this the littlest of like uh, mall food courts. There was like I think uh, there was like yeah two little counters that had food. I was like, well, I guess I'm getting a ham sandwich because they just pushed me from like an hour wait to like a two or three hour wait. Oh, wow. So I remember sitting there being like, I could have had like real food in the terminal. <laughs> like they had actual like I saw I saw a barbecue restaurant. Like a hundred feet, and I said, "No, I'll turn right and go to the extra, you know, the uh, the exit toward Terminal Five. If I knew that, that Terminal Five was actually not part of this building, and was the other side of the dang lot, it was over by the goddamn Dulles Airport Church, I wouldn't have gone. I would have gone. You know what? I, I got some time. Let me go eat, and then I wouldn't. I wouldn't have been as so like annoyed because I just remember when I landed, as soon as I landed in Portland, I got on the lift and went, and I, I met Mern and the other podcasters. Like they were like at a little food court." And I had my luggage with me. I was like, hey, guys, hey, how you doing? Hi, hi, hi. I got to eat. I was just like, I am hangry. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had to get a little puddle jumper from Portland or from LAX to Portland. And, uh, and it was, it was a, it was, I was up in the air for like maybe 15 minutes or maybe 20 minutes on that part. So, yeah, it was just so funny. Just like, oh, God. Um. But yeah, oh, wow. uh, I, I I think it's so funny going back to Stewart, looking at the, at the major and thinking like, oh, I'll let, I'll let the old man fight him, and then being like, oh my god, he like just being like, just Colonel Stewart be like, I had to tell the major's men that like McLean killed his guys, you know? Right. Because Colonel Stewart's <laughs> all chuckling. He's had the gun up. You know, he's had the gun trained in McLean. Like he could probably take a crack shot and probably hit McLean while he's lying there trying to kick, uh, you know, uh, Major Grant in. And now Stuart's like, well, um, this is, this is shit. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> me now. But I mean, he's also excited to fight him. But it is, it is crazy how, you know, like he's just like, oh my God, he's killed now. He's killed our, like one of our military leaders. Right. 
and then and then we get a shot of, of Esperanza once again. You know, and it's funny because like we hear the engines uh, chugging along a little bit, and then they they uh, get released and they work better. You know, as if they're just trying. To, it's like when you put something in a blender. You know, <laughs> so it's like uh, a little chunky at the beginning, and then afterwards it just runs smoothly. So I think that's more or less what what they're trying to tell us with with that shot, the way that they do that. And then John is still hanging over the side, and you know he he's looking over and he sees. No, I don't know. I, I'm yeah. sorry. I I saw it as that that uh, that General Esperanza saw like a little blinker fly up being it like obstruct obstruction in the turbines for like a second. But he got a little warning bug. Like, he's like, what? Obstruction in the turbines. And he, like, looks out there, like, Major Grant's gone. He's like, what? And that's how I see it as. But he gets, like, gets for a split second, he kind of, like, maybe if, like, a Pelican flew into a plane, maybe, like, there would be, like, a little notice, be it, like, there was obstruction. And the pilot's like, well, you know, a, a Pelican flew into the plane. Um, in, in this way, he probably sees that, like, a little obstruction. And, like, it shows like the turbine like chugged a minute on the monitor and then went to full exactly. power. Like, oh, it. Right. Um, uh, 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 where's Major Grant? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Where do you, where do you go? Where do you go? <laughs> and then we, so we see John looking over the side and he sees, you know, this, this, uh, uh, gas valve, you know, where it says on a fuel dump. And he, he looks at it quizzically and then, uh, you know, the, the shot changes and we see Stuart deciding that he's going to, He's going to take things into his own hands at this point. So what's interesting is on the on the commentary. So one of the things that Randy Harlan talks about is is that the fuel uh, the fuel valves do not work this way. You know this is something that they added just for. Okay. You know I don't think if you open the fuel valve, you know the the fuel in the plane starts starts pumping out on its own. I don't think I don't think it works that way from what he was saying. Um, I don't know where where you know, the fuel valve is, it might be in that place. It might be that they are filling up the wings this way. But, you know, it doesn't it doesn't work exactly the way that they, they show it here. And then, uh, so Stuart puts his gun aside and is getting ready to, to jump out and take on John. And we will have to wait until tomorrow to find out what happens with that. Yeah. yeah. So the the script, once again, you know, is is doesn't have very much to, to tell us in this uh, in this minute, but but we do have some some interesting stuff here. So it starts off with uh, you know Stewart is in the doorway and tries to aim. Remember that they that both Stewart and 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 uh, Grant went out with their guns, and it says the two men struggling sure. on the wing are indistinguishable in the driving snow, which is the that explains why you you said you were wondering why Stewart wouldn't have taken a shot when the two of them were fighting. Apparently, according to the script, uh, he couldn't tell them apart because there's so much snow. Uh, each of the uh, McLean right. and Grant are each holding onto the wing with one hand, fighting with the other. Grant pounds away at, on McLean's face, but McLean doesn't hit back. He just grins like a maniac and pushes Grant, pushes, pushes Grant through his teeth as they struggle. Too bad, McLean. The sound of metal sliding, a knife appears in Grant's hand. Grant raises the knife. I really liked you. Too late. He realizes he's over the front edge of the wing. Of the wing. He screams and falls. So, you know, I, I like in the movie how they do a little better that there is a fight between them. As opposed oh, to John yeah. just, just edging him away, you know, to, that he falls over the edge. Yeah, no, I, 
know, and it's just. No, I, I like it's more visceral. It's more like we 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 want to watch these guys fight. We don't want to like I I I like the idea. Like I, I think it could be used somewhere else in another Die Hard film where like McClane's smiling as he's getting punched or something, but it's because he's doing something while the guy doesn't know. I'm okay with that, but I feel like for like essentially what is like the end boss fight of this. Yeah, it should be more of a knockout yeah, brawl. It's true. And then this is and it's uh, Grant. Honestly, Mc, honestly, McLean's just never one of those like thinkers. He's always one of those, you know, improviser Correct. guys. Well, you know? so That's um, what we think of him. You know, improvising his lines also. Yeah. All right. And it says, yeah, uh, Grant falls right into the engine intake. There's an awful grinding sound, a scream. McLean winces as red snow splatters him. Um, and it says, in the back of the engine, it could be hamburger pouring out, but before we can dwell on it, the engine pod blows. McLean wipes red snow from his arm, and he says, I like you better dead. In the cockpit, I... I... (laughs) (laughs) In the cockpit, a fire indicator goes on. Esperanza hits extinguisher, handles it, increases power to the other engines. McLean moves hand over hand to the trailing section of the wing... Looks over and down at the fuel port, upside down, and that's how the that's how that okay. is. So it's interesting. It's interesting. Right. Yeah, yeah. The movie, yeah, the movie so far I think does it better. Yeah. I, I, and I, um, did you ever read the book? Did you of read course. The book that this was based on. I don't remember it. I read I, it at the time. So funny is that I haven't I, read it. I haven't read it in 30, 33 years. I, yeah, I um uh, fifty eight minutes, and I I remember liking it. It's a nice. It literally is an airport novel in both senses of the word. Um, it's just a cop, you know. He's just like there, and then he gets involved. I think it's in New York, so it's not DC. Um, what's so funny is that there's one kill in that book that never made it into this franchise, and nor can I think of it ever made it into an action movie that I thought it should is the character in that book is hanging out of a plane and he fires his revolver into a van. They're chasing a van. The bad guys are in a van and he's trying to shoot them and he, and he empties his gun and he he puts it back in his holster and he grabs the flare gun out of the chopper and he aims it and it hits the driver and it pierces him between the shoulder, his back shoulder blade and the chair and the chair lights him on fire. So now the tired chair of the van is on fire. He's on fire. And like the entire like uh, van then like catches on fire and like, you know, it probably explodes. And I remember being like, I didn't think I never like, I can't remember like an actual like triple a movie. Like, I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of, a bunch of like low budget films where a guy gets hit by a flare and explodes. Sure. But I've never thought of like a main type of like Fox Sony type of film that's ever like shot a flare at a guy and like, you know, caught him on fire in, in, a, right. in a way. Oh, wow. I said, he didn't like catch a guy on fire because that he hit him because like he hit the chair, the, the, the van's chair, the van chair probably like just started the, the insulation and it probably caught on fire. And then he essentially then like, was he, cause he's already strapped into it, got on fire. And I'm always thinking, I'm like, that should have, that is a diehard kill. I'm so surprised that we never saw that in the franchise. Yeah, uh, I guess Randy Harlan had other uh, ideas. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if that ever ever made it to any of the earlier drafts, and they were like, "Yeah, we don't need the scene. Let's save the helicopter chase for the end right. of the film instead." Because I can't, I honestly, I cannot remember if the book has this type of like, "I blow the plane up" type explosion. I have to assume because it's a great ending, 
but I can't remember if um, if the book kind of leads us to the same type of end fight blow up. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. It's been so yeah. long, man. It's been so long. Yeah. All right. So every Wednesday we have a, a segment called Off the Beaten Track Aviation Edition, where my guests will give some sort of story, adventure, misadventure, anecdote, something that happened to them over the course of their life that is somehow related to aviation, whether it's on a plane, in an airport, something. So, Dave, you have a story for us? Well, I, I always said, run run the tape back about 15 minutes when I was talking about my L.A. trip uh, <laughs> to Portland. So that's, that's part one. And part two is I remember I was flying up to Boston. Uh, we got a cheap 30-minute flight southwest from Philly to Boston. And I remember going through the, secu- the TSA terminal and realizing the lady's like, oh, your wallet's in your back pocket. And I was like, oh, yeah, you're right. And so I turn around and I see like my tray is already going into the scanner. So I was like, my brain was like, you can't walk over there and put it in before they scan it. So my brain was like, just do an underhand toss. So I take my wallet, underhand toss, goes over the bin and then lands at the foot of a TSA agent looking at another computer monitor. And it's like everybody kind of like all my friends around me kind of froze and be like, well, what do we do now? And I was kind of like, um, uh, hi, uh, my my wallet, it fell off the uh, in there. And it was just such a like, and my friend was like, man, I was like, well, I was aware of the TSA was just going to pull us into a back room at that point. You cause such a commotion when you threw your wallet. <laughs> like all of a sudden in the middle of an airport, just underhand tossing some little brown thing. Like at a TSA agent, like I was like, yeah, I guess you're, I guess you're right. That does, that could have went wrong. I could have went wrong really bad. No, well. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I remember that. Like just, it was like early in the morning. We were trying to catch it, like a, you know, like an 8 a.m. flight up to Boston just so we can get the, into the city early for a, uh, there's a, a board game convention and a video game convention up there. So I remember doing that. I just remember the entire way up. Like my, my friends were like, just check your pockets next time. I was like, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll do. Absolutely. We'll do. <laughs> so I remember that anytime I fly now, I'm just like triple checked. Like, okay, my entire pockets are cleared. The belts off like shoes. It's on this, that get ready to scanner. Like, it, you know, just focus, just focus on moving through that. It's the TSA as quick as right. possible. <laughs> oh, wow. Great story. Thank you very much for that. So Dave, you want, you want to once again, <laughs> you want to once again, tell people uh, how they can find you. Yeah. Hey, um, like I said, uh, five minutes of mystery uh, podcast. I cover the 1999 superhero comedy ensemble mystery men. You like Ben still, you like Gene Garofalo. Do you like Greg Kinnear? Do you like, uh, Tom Waits, uh, Hank yeah. Azaria, Ken, Ken Thompson, uh, not Ken Thompson, uh, Cal Mitchell, um, or, uh, Jeffrey Rush or, Hey, like Eddie Izzard, we got a movie for you. So like, you know, come check it out, go watch the film. Like while you're waiting for the next Disney plus thing to show up, why don't you go watch uh, this 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 little gem of a film? Okay, great. I mean, at the time of recording, let's. I'm going to say it. At the time of recording, we just lost Paul Rubens. So if you haven't watched it, in the memory of Paul Rubens, who plays the spleen, you got to watch Mystery Men. I I will add it to my list of to to rewatch one of these days. Yeah, definitely. All right, beautiful. I mean, that was also to the audience. I, I wasn't like. I wasn't forcing no, you no, to no. do that right no, now. No. We, have, I, we got to record Dave, the next Dave, minute. Dave, I, I, I watch but movies. I, like, to the, to the I watch movies home. all the time. So, you know, I have no problem rewatching movies. <laughs> That's, <my> That's right. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know. Yeah. I, and, and I like having, you know, my guests uh, uh, remind me of movies that, that, that I haven't seen in a while or, or giving me, uh, you know, nice recommendations for things that, 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 I, that I might like. And I 
you know, check it out. I, I love it when, uh, yeah, when I love when articles are like talking about superhero movies or they're talking about like, you know, movies that could have been a bigger hit. And I'm always like excitedly going through those lists being like, come on, same mystery, man. Fingers crossed, same mystery, man. Like ahead of its time. Like, you know, it's got some dumb 90s jokes, but it like had some really good stuff in it. So, yeah, I'm always I always love bringing up to people when they're like, well, I watched a lot of the Marvel stuff. And I don't know, there's no really DC movies right now. I'm all caught up. I'm like, have you watched Lewis? <laughs> All right. And finding me is very simple. Just do a quick search for Move Around Minute. You can find me on Facebook, you can find me on Twitter, or you can find me on my website, movearoundminute.com. So, until tomorrow, yippee-ki-yay! Yippee-ki-yay! If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little villages here and